Welcome to the Citizens Youth Sermon Podcast. We are a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church and a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit nwgospel.com slash citizens. Thank you, Courtney. What's going on, Citizens Youth? It is great to be here with you guys. Thanks for joining us. Uh, If you're watching on Facebook right now, you can go ahead and hit like, share that video. Uh, If you're here on YouTube Live, welcome to you as well. You can uh, hit subscribe and press the little notification bell to stay in the loop on all things citizens. Uh, If this is your first time here with us, maybe you're not a regular part of our youth community, uh, you're a guest here, or maybe you just saw this come across your feed, welcome. Citizens Youth, we're here in the Pacific Northwest as a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. And so you guys will be here live every Wednesday night, seven o'clock, and I'm glad that you're tuning in. Thanks for being with us. Tonight is actually a great night for you to join us because tonight we are beginning a brand new sermon series called Unfinished. All right, and so for the next several weeks, we're gonna be walking verse by verse through one of my favorite books in the Bible, and that is Philippians. And so a few weeks ago, I was Zooming with Courtney. That's, that's what we call it now, by the way. If you're in a Zoom meeting, it's not, we don't do Zoom, we're Zooming, okay? So a few weeks ago, I'm Zooming with Courtney and I'm like, Courtney, I think Philippians is the perfect book for what we're going through right now. And I was like, do you know why? And she stares at, she stares at me through the Zoom and, and she goes, is it because everyone is Philippian out right now? <laughs> and she laughed and, and she did get a chuckle out of me. But seriously, the reason why Philippians is a perfect book right now is because everything in our world is stopped, right? Feels like the whole world is on pause. School, by now I'm sure you've heard, school is canceled. Everything is at a standstill. The economy is slowing down. But here's what Philippians shows you and it shows me that I want us to get. The world may be paused, but God has not paused. God is still working. More specifically, he is working on you. You see, God has begun a work in your life as a teenager and that work is unfinished. Your race, your journey, God's work in you is not done. And so here's what I want us to do as we begin a new sermon series today. I believe that if we could just, if we were to lean in to this study, if we were to listen, if we approach God's word eagerly every single week, if we approach our times of prayer with great anticipation, I believe that you will realize that there is so much work that God still wants to do on your soul in this time. I think this is a season of life that we'll never forget, obviously. And I think there'll be certain things that stand out in our memory, like social distancing, essential business, six feet apart. But I think there'll be other things that stand out in our memory when we think back to this season as well. I think we'll look back at this season and we'll say that was the season where God taught me so much about my identity. That was the season where God taught me to really handle pain and suffering. He showed me how I should be handling my money. He taught me how I should be viewing death. Man, that was the season where God really showed me the idols in my heart. Or maybe you'll say that was the season where I learned how to pray. You see, students, all of these things are going to be found in our new sermon series here. As we walk through the book of Philippians, we're going to realize that yes, the world may be stopped, but God is still working in you because the work is unfinished. And so we begin our journey tonight with just two verses, all right? Just the first two verses of our book. And I call this from servants to saints. So are you guys ready? Are you ready for a new book study? Make some noise. Come on, let me hear you. All right. 
I like it. Let's do it. Here we go. Beginning in verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So you see, we call this the book of Philippians, but it's actually a letter, right? It's not a book at all. It is a letter that is written from servants of Christ. You see, if we were to study ancient letter writing, you would realize that the normal way to write a letter in that time, you, you would begin by identifying yourself, okay? Complete opposite of what we do today, right? Back then, you begin by identifying yourself, but in today's day and age, we don't tell our audience who we are until the very last line. And so maybe you're like Miss Sammy here and you're doing the Citizens Challenge this week, which you can find at nwgospel.com citizens. One of the challenges this week that Courtney told us about is that we are writing letters. And so as you're writing letters like Sammy or like Maddie, think about it. You, you put all of this emotion, I miss you, I'm doing this, I wonder where you are. And the whole time you're just saying to yourself, who are you? And you get to the end of the letter and you finally go, from Sammy, from Maddie. But what if you wrote your letter like they did in the ancient Near East? What if you began your letter by answering the question, who are you? Who are you? How would you answer that question? Right? If someone were to come up to you in school, someone were to hit you up online and they said, hey, like, who are you? Well, maybe you think, well, I'm John, right? No, 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 not, not your name. Like, who is John? Who is Clay? Who is Olivia? When I say this question, I mean, what are you as a person all about? Students, I'm asking you, who are you? In other words, what defines your life? Think about that. What defines your life? How many of you right now, your mind immediately jumps and you answer that question based on what you do? Well, I'm a football player. I'm a writer, I'm a lacrosse player, I'm a musician. Well, I'm a volleyball player. No, no, I'm an artist, I'm a pastor. I'm a financial consultant, I'm a teacher, I'm a mom. You see, all of you watching, you all would answer that question in different ways, but here's the point. Your answer to that question reveals how you identify yourself. The way that you answer this question reveals what you think is most important about you. But here's what I want you to notice. When Paul and Timothy come to the part of their letter where they traditionally identify themselves, they don't, they don't identify themselves in terms of their careers, right? Paul, a tent maker. Paul, a scholar. No, no, no. They don't identify themselves in this letter based on, on their personalities or their characteristics, right? Paul, the bold. Timothy, the brave. No. They don't even identify themselves based on their father's name. You know, Timothy, son of Maximus. No, students. The thing that best defines them is their relationship to Jesus Christ. And so here you have these, these two dudes and they say, you want to know who we are? You want to know what best defines us? Here's who we are. We are servants of Christ Jesus. We are those who have given our entire lives to serving Jesus Christ and spreading his fame. You see, Jesus Christ, this is what we believe. Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. And he showed his love for you by coming to earth and he took your place. He died on the cross in your place and my place so that you could live with him forever. And you see, when we come to know that kind of love, 
When we come to know Jesus through the gospel, we realize that to live without that, to live without him, it doesn't even count as living because we realize that we are made to serve him. And so here we have two grown men, Paul and Timothy, and they are convinced of that. They are so consumed by their desire to spread the fame of Jesus everywhere they go. And so this is more than just religious language. This is more than a formality or Christianese. No, no, no. They identify themselves based on their devotion and commitment to Jesus Christ. That's what best defines them. And so students, what I want us to do is I want us to look at Paul and Timothy's example and I want it to make us think, what defines your life? What better time to consider your answer, right? You don't have school right now? Well, I guess you're online, but you know what I mean. You don't have school. You don't have your normal social circles. You don't have your sports. What defines your life? What do you typically look to to tell you what is most important about you? And so we're gonna come back to that question. Don't forget it. What defines your life? So we continue with our letter, okay? We see that it's written from servants of Christ, but look who it's written to. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi. So this letter is written from servants of Christ to saints in Christ. Saint. You know that word saint? Of course you do. We're all familiar with these words. A saint, right? This is, uh, this is something that you typically hear when someone is like over the top nice, right? You hear about someone and they go the extra mile and we go, oh man, what a saint. You did that, you're a saint. You, I think of my buddy, you know, Tucker Up. Imagine that you heard that Tucker Up just yesterday, he went over to his elderly neighbor's house and he volunteered to wash her car. Did you know that? Yeah, he went and picked up groceries for her. After that, he came to her house. He groomed all seven of her cats. He cleaned out her garage and then he finished by scrubbing her bathroom with a toothbrush. And we all look at that and we go, wow, what a saint. You see, we use the word saint typically to mean someone who is next level. Right? We talk about someone in their faith who is like a super Christian. That's what a saint is. And so when we look back at the text, Paul calls them saints. Does that mean that the Philippians were next level Christians? Does that mean that the Philippians were some super Christians? What do you think the Philippians had to do to reach the status of saint in Paul's eyes? Were they saints like that? No offense to the Philippians but they weren't, all right? They're not super Christians. They're not next level. That's not why Paul is calling them saints. Here's the key, students. Paul is calling them saints not because of what they've done, not because they're next level. He is calling them saints because they are in Christ, in Christ. You see, I want to challenge the way that we typically use this word because a saint does not mean that you're a next level Christian. A saint is not someone who is a super Christian. No, students, a saint is someone who has been set apart for God and his purposes. That's what a saint is. And so why am I talking so much about saints? Here's my point. Not only does Paul identify himself based on his relationship to Jesus, he identifies 
other people in terms of their relationship to Jesus. When he looks at them, he sees what is most important about them. It's who they are in Christ. When he talks to them, he talks in a way that reminds them what is most important about them, their relationship to Jesus Christ. When he looks at the Philippians, he doesn't see their mistakes. He doesn't talk to them and address them based on their wealth status or their popularity status. He doesn't talk to them based on their achievements. No, 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 he calls them saints. Not because they're perfect, not because they're next level, but because of who they are in Christ. You see, students, that's who you are. Do you know that? Not only are the Philippian saints, I'm talking to you, Christian students, you are saints. Regardless of what you've done for your neighbor yesterday, okay? You are saints because of what defines your life. You're not perfect, I know that. You're not next level, I get that. You are a saint because you are in Jesus. The most real thing about you, the most important thing about you is that God has set you apart for himself. The most important thing about you is that you are following Jesus Christ. When people look at you, how do they tend to define you? When we look at those in our faith family, when we come together and we see other people in that room, how do we define each other? How do we identify ourselves? What do we say is the most important thing about each other? You see, I've been in this for a long time now, and I've seen that there are a lot of different ways that we can answer that. Some of the most common that I've seen are these. I see that we define each other in youth communities, typically, based on what you do. Oh, you're the baseball player. Okay. Oh, you're the AP kid. You take all those classes. Oh, oh you're the musical kid, the drama kid. Oh, you're the band kid, right? We identify each other based on what we do. Often we identify each other, we define each other based on our achievements. Oh, you're the kid that gets those grades. You're the kid that has those skills. Even more common than this, we see our relationships. Are you popular? How many people like you? What's your relationship status? A really common one right now is you are your sexuality. Whatever you are feeling, whatever your gender is, however you express it, that is what's most important about you. Sometimes people answer that based on their past mistakes. Oh, you will never be known for anything other than that mistake you made last year or last week. Sometimes we identify each other based on our ethnicity. The most important thing about you is that you're Asian. It's that you're black. It's that you're Italian. It's that you're Hispanic. That's what's most important about you. And then there's other times where it feels like our family dysfunction is what defines us. We are nothing more than what our parents have done. We are nothing more than the mistakes that we've made in our family. We are nothing more than what happened to us back when. You see, these are all different ways that we tend to identify ourselves. But that's not who you are. If you are in Christ, I want you to take a powerful lesson from these first few verses here. When you're in God's family, when you come to know Jesus, your life is no longer defined by these things. That's not who you are. And now Christ defines your life. Christian, Christ defines your life. That doesn't mean that none of those things matter, right? Like those things may still be a part of your life, but that's not what's most important about you. 
The thing that stands at the center of your life is who you are in Christ. And all of those other things revolve around that identity. And they take their cue and their their level of importance from that. Your relationship to Jesus defines you. You see, Jesus is not just something we do on the weekends. Church is not just our social circles. Jesus is the one that we live for. The church is the family that we belong to because Christ defines your life. Students, you need to get this. When you're connected to Jesus, something bigger than your religious affiliation has changed. Something bigger than your Instagram bio has been altered. Your very identity, what defines you, who you really are, is now completely different. And he is everything. And so knowing him, making him known, that is our overarching sense of purpose. And it gives all of those other things meaning. This is what you're all about. This is what's most important to you. And so we see that this letter... It's written from, or the letter, I'm sorry, the letter is from servants of Christ. It's written to saints in Christ. And so if Christ defines your life and Christ defines my life, then the way that we interact is gonna look special. And so in our very last part of the passage here, I wanna show you how the way that we relate to one another is different because of this. Check it out. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So again, let's review. The letter is written from servants of Christ to saints in Christ with grace and peace. Grace and peace. This is the most succinct summary of the gospel that you can give, right? If you, if you had to explain the gospel, if you had to give your story, your testimony in two words, here's the most succinct summary. Grace and peace. We have grace. Because we are in Jesus, God gives us grace. He treats us way better than we deserve. We have peace. We are no longer enemies with God. We are no longer at odds with him because we are living in the way that that he doesn't want us to live as his creation. No, no, we have grace from him. We are at peace with him. We are in his family, adopted as sons and daughters. And so guess what, students? Here's what I want you to to, to realize about me and you and our relationship and your relationship with your sister who's sitting on the couch and your relationship with everybody else that's here in this chat right now who calls Christ Lord. If we have received grace and peace from our Father, then we give grace and peace to our brothers and sisters. Let me say that again. If this is true for you, if you have received grace and peace from your Father, then we are to greet one another by giving each other grace and peace as brothers and sisters. That's how this family works. Students, I love leading a youth community because in it, we get to learn how are we supposed to interact as the family of God? And here's one of the most core lessons you can learn about the family of God. In our family, there's grace. Our youth community needs to be marked. It needs to have this overarching characteristic where we receive kindness and and, and goodness that we don't deserve. Go anywhere else in the world and you will be treated the way that you deserve. Are you bad? You'll be treated poorly and not have friends. Are you good? You'll get all the rewards, right? Did you make a mistake? You're punished. Did Did you break a promise? You're kicked out. But in the family of God, there's grace. We treat one another 
way better than we deserve. I'm going to be kind to you, kinder than you deserve. But would you be kind to me as well? Kinder than I deserve? Would you treat me with goodness that I don't deserve? Please do that because we've received that from our Father. But in our community, there's also peace. Now, again, I already already know where your mind is going. Peace? What? There's so much conflict and there's drama. And oh my gosh, in our youth group, I remember fighting with her. And then in seventh grade, this happened. And then, yes, there's drama because we're humans, right? And some of us are human teenagers. So that just ups the ante. When I say there's peace, I don't mean that there's an absence of conflict between us, right? The last thing we want to do is just paste on a smile and pretend like everything's good, right? Oh my gosh, she just really hurt my feelings, but I'm supposed to have peace. No, that's not what I mean here. What I mean is, yes, we may have conflict at times, but here's our promise to one another. Even when we have conflict, we will strive to be at peace with each other. I promise you, yes, we may have a disagreement, but I promise that I'm gonna continue to be working for peace to be my default. In our youth community, I want it to be marked by peace, meaning we don't enjoy drama. We don't enjoy petty conflict in this family. We want to be cool. We want to be at peace. And so when we're not, we will work for it because Christ is in your life and Christ is in my life. And so if he defines our life, then he defines our relationship. And you and I, brother and sister, we are connected to each other because Christ defines our life. And so, Here's how I want us to end. I want us to go back to this question that I asked earlier. What defines you, right? I'll put this list back up. And I just want you to look at it for a little bit. I want you to think about it. And I want you to grab a pen right now. And here's how we're gonna respond. I'm asking you the question, what defines you? What do you typically look to to say that is most important about you? And I want you to write down your answer. Maybe it's up here. Maybe it's something else. Whatever it is that it's other than Christ, I want you to write it down sticky note, a piece of paper, whatever you want to do. And I want you to take it to your bedroom. I want you to either put it on your dresser in front of your mirror. Maybe you put it in the bathroom where you'll see it in the morning, right in front of the mirror, wherever it is. I want you to put it there. And then I want you to go to sleep. And when you wake up in the morning on a brand new day, I want you to walk to that dresser. I want you to walk into the bathroom, right? And I know Beyonce, she's lying. She said she woke up like this, but she didn't wake up like this. I know what you look like when you wake up. Okay. And I want you to look in the mirror And on this new day, on a new morning, I want you to grab, I want you to grab that piece of paper where yesterday you said it defines you. And as you crumple up that piece of paper to start a new day, I want you to say to yourself, no more, Christ defines my life and you throw it away. And from that day forward, students, every day, you remind yourself as you look in the mirror, Christ defines my life. Christ is my identity. The thing that is most important about me today is that God loves me so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, so that I could live with God for all of eternity. Yes, I've made mistakes, but I have forgiveness in Christ. Yes, I've accomplished achievements, but none of my achievements compare to the fact that God has saved me and brought me into his family. The fact that Christ has achieved what I couldn't. Yes, I may be Italian. Yes, I'm black. Yes, I'm Hispanic. But that doesn't matter compared to what's happening in my heart and my soul and my eternal destiny. Yes, I'm a sexual being, just like your physical and emotional and social sexuality is part of our life, but that is not what's most important about us. Yes, your family is dysfunctional. Guess what? We all are. 
but that's not what's most important about you. Your blended family or your family that, that hurts each other when they speak or the broken relationships that are in your extended family, that's not what's most important about you. And you don't need to perpetuate those cycles to your children because Christ defines your life. Students, I love you so much. I cannot wait to see you guys in person again. But until then, would you remember that Christ defines your life? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for, your, for the truth that is contained. Even in a couple of verses, Lord, as we unpack that, we realize that you have a lot to say to us. So Lord, as the rest of the world seems to be on pause, would you continue the work? We know it's unfinished, God. I know that my soul um, doesn't look like what it should look like. Lord, I know that you are continuing to, to complete the work that you've begun in us. And so I pray, do that, Lord. In this season, help us to lean in Help us to be hungry for your word. Give us a passion for prayer. We want to spend time with you, Lord, so that you would work on us and that we would look more and more like your son, Jesus Christ. Be with us the rest of this evening and this week. And uh, we love you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.